0: 3 All right, this is England is Burning. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is England is Burning again for November the 8th, 2021. We talked to Mark Henry earlier from the Manchester United Women's Supporters Club, uh, but this is your Chelsea Women Weekly Feature. Uh, This morning, we have Rob Prattley back from the CSCW Social uh, to talk about Chelsea's week, and uh, more importantly, their most recent match uh, against Aston Villa up in the Midlands uh over the weekend of one nil affair that was um rob welcome back to the program glad you're here
1: yeah thank you very much for having me Always, always a delight to be back
0: all right thank you so much thank you remember before we get into this y'all we need to let you know smash a like on the video five-star review on the podcast because i know you do not probably don't want to you know see the receding airline bit so just listen to us uh and so forth but give a five-star review share on your social media please subscribe send me dms all those things y'all are doing a great job but we got to push it out there because we got a long season upcoming and so forth we got the holidays we got everything coming up but uh and so forth and we got i think I mean, if I may say so myself, we have some great content and more to come. So please do that and so forth. So Rob, 1-0. Um, I have to admit, I was watching this match on on the FA player uh here in the ATL uh in the US, and frankly, there were mo- a lot of moments uh was that I, I was like I wasn't paying attention to this match. What 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 happened during this? What are your thoughts about this match overall?
1: I think it was overall, as I as I said to someone, it's one of those games where I think you you win it, but you're unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best way to describe it, is that I think these are the sort of games at the moment that typified to me while I, while I said at the beginning of the season that I didn't necessarily think Chelsea were favourites to win the league. Um, and I, I thought there was problems. And this just typified to me why... I think those arguments were completely valid and why, you know, I still stand by that view that I don't think Chelsea will win the league. Um, in comparison to, say, last year in the, in the corresponding fixture, Chelsea put four past Aston Villa in a game again the, they could have scored plenty more. In this game, you know, they probably could have and should have put more past them. But ultimately, at the end, they ended up hanging on and sort of hanging on, not for dear life, I'm not going to go quite that far, but they, you know, are hanging on to a 1-0 win, a uh, 1-0 scoreline, because a 1-0 scoreline is always dangerous. Um, and I think partly that shows the issues at Chelsea at the moment. I think it also does, let's give credit to Aston Villa for significant improvement from last season.
0: Yeah, and and that's I think that is actually my biggest takeaway from this match, or one of the big takeaways I have is the improvement of Aston Villa, um, and we knew though we knew that was Carla Ward coming over to Aston Villa from Birmingham that there would be some level of improvement, uh, you know, just overall, just the quality of manager she is. Um, so we kind of could guess that. What do you what did you think of how Carla Ward set up her team, her tactics? It, you know, facing this Chelsea squad?
1: Um, I thought she probably got it spot on. I I thought she probably got it spot on in all honesty. I think that, um, you know, they, clearly their situation was they didn't really want to be really expansive. They didn't want to play a hugely expansive game. They wanted to play quite a, not defensive outlook, but they wanted to have solid banks of, you know, a bank of four, a midfield five, and then, uh, one player up front sort of doing a lot of the running for them. Um, and I think that's a good way to play against Chelsea in the loss, especially when Chelsea play with a back three. I think this was the wrong game to play a back three in. I don't think Chelsea helped themselves by playing a back three. I think they could easily have played a back four um, and maybe even played two up front. And I think that is the, the big issue for me at the moment is I've seen, I've seen games where Chelsea have played two up front and they have look really good and dovetailed well and caused problems. Since then they don't they seem reluctant to try it and they I can understand the 343, as I've said before, I think the 343 unlocks Penilla Harder more. However, I think in her absence it didn't really benefit anyone in the side, in all honesty. I didn't really think anyone really looked like it benefited particularly from it. I mean, if we start off with the the positive, because it also moves on to the goal, I thought that Chelsea's best performer by a country mile was Jesse Fleming. Um not just the goal, which she took really, really well from So Yun's pass. And So Yun also played well. Um, I thought, you know, she had the energy, she had dynamism, she was attacking, she was looking to sort of move the ball quickly at times, but also looking to have control over the ball. She was an, she's an excellent dribbler, and I think that's what Chelsea are seeing more of this season. And I think, overall, that's the big sort of, I think, positive that comes out of the game, is the real improvement in Jesse Fleming's game compared to last year. Now, ultimately, she took her goal really, really well. But last year, when that happened, you would have seen Chelsea sort of kick off. And I, I kind of pinpoint the match back to a, sort of a period, sort of a 30-second period, where they hit the crossbar twice. And I think either of those went in, they might have gone on and secured a more comfortable victory. But what concerns me is after that, after those sort of situations, there wasn't really too many clear-cut opportunities. Now, Partly that was due to Villa's defending, and I think they did defend really, really well. And also, Hannah Hampton made a number of really good saves. But again, the same issue that we keep raising for Chelsea really its ugly like head again. They were profligate and negligible in front of goal. And I think, as long as they continue to be like that, they aren't going to win the major the major trophies. This season. Um, it's all well and good winning one 0 and I'm not going to say you know I'm not going to sit here and pretend win, winning a game is a bad result. But I think when you look at comparisons to what Arsenal are doing and whatever, you know, what Arsenal have been doing all season, they will be quite comfortable in the knowledge now, knowing with the three point lead they can go to Kingsmeadow and still lose 1 0. You know, let, let's face it, barring some sort of absolute unseen, you know, absolute, you know, freak result, they aren't going to lose at Kingsmeadow by a significant margin. You know, let, let's be clear with that. I think under Ideval they're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. So you start looking at it and you think, okay, well, what are we going to, you know, what, what's the situation here? What's going on now? Um, and I think that they will be confident knowing that even if they come to King's Meadow, if they come to Kings Meadow and win, then they will comfortably win the league. And I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty happy to say that. I think they will then comfortably win the league. But... If they come to Kingsman and lose, I still think they will be very happy with the situation in their hands because they're going to have such a huge goal difference on Chelsea. And it's all well and good not conceding many goals as Chelsea haven't been in the last couple of weeks. They have tightened up defensively. But last season, they had that tight defence with also with that gung-ho attack. And I think they've sacrificed that somewhat this season in order to tinker, and it's not helped.
0: Yeah, it's there, there seems to be... With Chelsea, yeah, I I completely agree, Rob. There, there seems to be something, some things really missing, even though all the parts are mostly still there. And what I mean by that is, is that I mean you have, you know, in general, you have you know Kirby Carr harder in the front in the front three ish, Mm -hmm. right, and. You know i I had gotten used to and maybe I got spoiled in watching in Chelsea play last year where I got used to that and I think everyone was saying this last year you're you know they go up they get that goal whenever that goal comes then it's you know it's game on is going to be piranha in the water blood in the water scenario they're going to go all out attack and by by the next time you blink it's about four nil. That hasn't happened. I haven't seen that really happen this year at all. Um, Mm -hmm. Is it that they're not creating opportunities, or I I think you mentioned they're being negligent on as far as converting those opportunities. What what, what do you think is – what's causing that? What's happening there?
1: I think it's a combination of both of them. Um, I think that – I think last season, and I said this at the time, you had to enjoy it because it was a very special season. It was something that I think, you know, it was the, in some cases, maybe the crux of what Emma Hayes has done at Chelsea. And it was truly, truly spectacular. And let's be honest, they were the best team in England last season by a country mile. Forget the, you know, I know people say there was inadequacies at Arsenal, there were issues at City. Chelsea were just superior to them. And I don't think that's a bad thing to say. In the same way this season, I don't think it's it's bad to say that Arsenal have been superior so far. And I don't think that's, you know, I, I don't think should, you should be afraid to praise an opponent. I still go back to the Champions League final. I still think Chelsea are mentally still getting over the scars of that. And you saw this somewhat with Barcelona after their, well, their final yeah. against Lyon, where the next season they struggled a bit in the season and people questioned it. And then the year afterwards, they came back absolutely flying. And then the year after that, they won it. And I think Chelsea are going through that mental period where they're sort of mentally adjusting to the fact it happened. They're still, you know, processing the fact that that result did occur. And it's taking them time to process it because it was such a shocking result. But at the same time, I think mentally there is that, you know, that block and some of them are trying to block it out. And until they confront the fact that that happened, then, you know, they're going to struggle to move forward past it.
0: Yeah. And, and I've, I always believe in sort of the the I always believe in and people shout me down every time I bring it up. But I, I bring it up every single time. I've seen it in sports all over the place. A team makes it all the way to the final of a, of a title, whatever the sport. They make it all the way to final. And usually it's a it's a situation where it's a one-off game situation. But it happens and when you have a series and things like that. But they go and they get, you know, they lose however way they lose. And then the, the next season, there is like this sort of, you know, like a hangover effect that happens. And I and I think we're seeing that with Chelsea all over the place. I think we're seeing it tactically. I think we're seeing it with the players when uh, on their on the pitch. In terms of, uh, I think you mentioned to me, and we've mentioned it several times on here, trying to be too perfect to try to get the you know get the perfect goal, get the the highlight goal and whatever, instead of really grinding it to get it and you know. Uh, which you saw from them before. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned about tinkering around tinkering with the defense, trying to improve that, because that was the thing that was the the downfall, uh, you know, of them. And yeah, we've seen the improvement on the defense, but then uh, the after effect on that has been, you know, has that taken away from the offensive p- uh, firepower, um, you know, up front. You know, it, there's any number of different uh, different things. Um, I mean, you do look at, you know, if you look at their XG, um, you know, there there are some really low numbers there in some matches. And then there were some really high numbers in terms of creating opportunities. And then there are, in, in there have been only a few instances where they over exceeded their um their opportunities and looking at their numbers they're not that strong in terms of you know converting uh, you know converting those opportunities and there's not they're not getting as many uh overall um but on the flip side going back to this game rob though is it fair to say that this lineup that was put out there though much better than aston villa by far as far as on paper is concerned, not having, not starting Kirby, not starting Carr, Harder being out with an injury. Doesn't that play into a one-nothing result?
1: I think to a point, although last season, you look at the lineup that Chelsea started in the corresponding game against Villa. They still started the, they, back then they started the likes of England. They started the likes of Cuthbert. They started Guru Wright and Jona um, Anderson. Neem Charles all played in that game last year. And it was the same, you know, it was a four-nil win. Now, partly that is the improvement of Villa, and also I, you are. Know, I will say that Hannah Hampton, I thought, was superb in goal. I thought she had a really good game, and again, once again, rehighlighted the fact that I think she is a just an absolutely superb goalkeeper. But at the same time, I think it shouldn't be a bad thing to question what MA's does, and I don't mean that in the sense of like you know questioning her as the manager. Yeah, you know, I want to make it one hundred clear that. Mm-hmm. Overtly, I still think Emma Hayes is the best manager in the league and I still think, you know, that she is probably going to end up the best manager in the conversation for the best manager of all time in WSL, certainly going to be Chelsea's best manager. At the same time, I think it's important to acknowledge that you shouldn't just be saying that, you know, you shouldn't just be blindly going with it. And I think it's important to say that there have been problems this season and You know, those problems, ultimately, when you are in such a league that's A, so tight, and B, you also demand perfection so much that if you're not reaching those levels, then questions have to be asked. Um, And I I mean, I know that sounds very unfair of me, seeing as the fact Chelsea are in second, they're only three points off the top, they're in another cup final, you know, they're in a solid position in the Champions League. But the thing is, is that Chelsea on their level, and Emma Hayes will say the exact same thing, because they expect success and demand success so much, when they fall below that level, that's when you really notice it. Mm-hmm. And how are
0: other, Rob, how are other Chelsea fans in general responding to these these types of results?
1: In all honesty, it depends which fan. Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I will say, I will quite happily come out and say, I am a notoriously uh, harsh critic of things. And I, you know, I've been before told that I am extremely harsh and I will make no qualms of being extremely harsh because I I think, you know, if you want to be the best, you need to be striving to be better and better than anyone else. And that is one of my sort of few principles, both in life, but also in football, is Mm -hmm. that in order to really call yourself the best and believe you're the best, you need to prove it. Um, At the same time, I think there's a bit of a feeling like, you know, that Chelsea, like I said, started the season a bit later than Arsenal. They've had more injury issues. I mean. Arsenal have been very lucky so far in the fact they haven't had significant players out injured or haven't had to really rotate a lot, um, have been able to, you know, where possible, name their best 11 in key games, um, which is something Chelsea weren't able to do against Arsenal at the very beginning of the season. Um, And, you know, partly that is just the luck of the draw of the scheduling. But I also think from a, you know, a logistics point of view, if the gap stays at three points and as long as it stays at three points or thereabouts, I don't think Chelsea will necessarily be unhappy to watch it being like that because they will then know as you go through the season, the pressure gets more and more. And especially if they can win at King's Meadow, because then suddenly that then, you know, puts an awful lot of pressure on them because they'll be level on points. It'll be goal difference. And then, you know, either side slipping up really could be a big difference. The other sort of, you know, um, wildcard, I suppose in all of this is how the likes of, Manchester United, obviously, have got to visit Kings Meadow, but I think I'm right in saying that Arsenal will still need to visit Leigh at some point and will that point, you know, how will Mark Skinner handle another big game? Obviously, so far, the two of them against Manchester, against Chelsea, obviously, they were drugged and against Manchester City, I think you would say it was a point that felt like a defeat. Obviously, at the weekend against Tottenham, um, similar situation where they played really well, should have been out of sight and in the end were done by a sucker punch. You know. Can they finally get that right? And then also, obviously, I think City from, you know, at some point, I, I keep saying it and I, you know, I make no qualms, to saying at some point Manchester City are going to improve. I, I don't believe that they're going to, you know, be wallowing down at the bottom all season. And as players start to come back to fitness, I mean, they play Chelsea next week and it'll be really interesting to see how they do in that in comparison to the cup game, because obviously the cup game was a relatively not tame affair, but was a game that Chelsea got the lead and ended up winning it quite comfortably and sort of you know were able to have a procession towards the win. But it'll be interesting next week to see if you know if they take that same attitude. Obviously they've picked up picked up some points against um Leicester at the weekend and hopefully you know that will put up players' confidence a little bit and when you start getting players' confidence up you start seeing different players. So I think you know there's all of that still to play out and it's very early in the season. But I just think that it's hard to see how Chelsea will win
0: up Yeah. Um, and one of the things I've always, that I admire about Chelsea is the fact that there is an expectation from the top down to be the best at everything. Uh, and that's exemplified. There's so many examples of this all over the place. But um, I mean, and you see that trickling trickling to the women's team uh, and so forth. And I, And I think even, I also think And I'm not trying to I'm really trying to be careful when I say this. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to uh, I'm victim of this as well in so many different ways where you get used to a certain level of success. You get used to a certain level of where the the squad is, the team is, the club is and so forth in terms of winning and and getting trophies and how they win right? Then you get, when that drops for even a small smattering uh, of drops, Uh, some fans, and I will include myself in this, will then come to the conclusion that things have dropped off and something is wrong. um, And we need to get back to where we were and so forth. I'm, I'm victim of that myself where I'm like, Mm -hmm. I expect things to be a certain way and they're not. And so I'm, I'm frustrated with that, but then, sometimes fans and again i'm trying to be gentle here when i say this y'all it, you know it don't may not look at it in context yeah. and context is this is that arsenal is much better well, maybe not much better but they're better than they were last year by far the competition overall in the league is significantly better overall um you know in ter- i mean aston villa is improved tottenham has improved um you know you know, aside from you know, my my, my poor darlings of, of Leicester City and at in, in Everton, which I, I, I will probably but even even, be, I, would argue,
1: <laughs> even I would argue with Leicester, I would argue that Leicester already have shown He's in, to I mean, in, the same, in the nicest yeah. possible way. They have already shown that they are a more competent uh, side in terms of stopping teams up to drubbing them than Bristol last year. Because Bristol, yeah. I mean as much as I love the people at the Bristol City fan cast, they all know, you know, when I went on the sort of fan cast with them a couple of times last year, I said that it's a case of, you know, how many, not a case of whether, of if. And I don't think I, I don't think it's fair to say that with Leicester, because although they won four one, you know, or lost four one at the weekend, there were significant there was a significant period of that time where they had, you know, City was struggling and were struggling to get a foothold. And I think it's so much of it shows you know, about momentum in that regard because City got their goal and they were able to get the second one quite quickly. And if Leicester had obviously made it 2 0 at the time, I think it would have, firstly, it may have actually spelled the end of Gareth Taylor's reign. But, for, uh, you know, which obviously in that regard, I'd like to say thank you to Leicester for prolonging it. Um, but in uh, in addition to sort of all of that, I think it's important to note that, you know, i don't and I, I like this. I again, I, I agree with you, and I think I do agree. I'm spoiled as a Chelsea fan. I will happily come out and say it I've said it before in the men's game, and I'll say it I'll happily say it in the women's game. Like, but I'm pleased to see this season Chelsea struggling, and I'm pleased to actually have things to criticize about because it's time it's times like these where I think people at times have had a bit of a blinkered view of wsl. and I think Wsl is a really good league. however, I am reticent and reluctant when people say it's the best league in the world. Um, I think in terms of the Premier League, for example, if we compare it to that, I think you can quite fairly make that claim because of the number of quality top sides in it. In WSL's case, there are a couple of really good sides, but ultimately the facts do show that there hasn't been an English winner of the UWCL for a long time. And domestically the same teams have won it, although there hasn't really been a sustained spell of dominance. So it isn't as if you can say that there's been a huge, you know, one side standing out above the rest, like a Leon or like Barcelona. And I think ultimately that's a good thing because that makes it more watchable. And this, at the Aston Villa result in a way, it did show me that actually it's good to see Chelsea not getting it all their own way this time, because I think if they were doing that, that would be boring, especially for the TV deal. And I think that's what people People don't want to just sit and watch drubbings, I mean okay, you might like it as a you do enjoy it as a fan of the team and you don't enjoy it as a fan of the other team, but from a neutral perspective, you don't want to turn a game on and watch a you know a no contest at all
0: yeah and and, and yeah that does um that does cause issues is is if you you know turn into a game. Uh, and here in the states, you tune in the game at seven thirty in the morning, or at nine thirty, or or whenever the game is in the morning. You don't really want to see a seven one drubbing. It gets it, it gets kind of stale um, after a while, unless you just happen to be a fan of the team that scored the seven. Uh, so we're talking about neutrals here. But in terms of looking at the league, no, I don't think the WSL is the is the best league in the, in women's football. Um, but I do think it has improved, and and I do think that in You know, its trajectory is well, but there are obviously some significant stumbling blocks, which we will get to on another show. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) so there's one of those things. Let me me put a flag, though, in the TV thing uh, also. But if I look at you, look at the teams in the WSL, Leicester is okay to bid it gently, no offense to Bristol City, but Leicester City is better than. Crystal city is uh, or was last season. Uh, The only teams in my opinion that did not have not really improved objectively would be probably Birmingham and Manchester United. And maybe though, mm, I haven't seen reading as much uh, as I probably should all the other teams. um, And in terms of outside of outside of Chelsea have improved. Um, I think the, comp- and we've talked about this, the competition is tougher. It's just tougher. And so we, we knew weeks ago, we knew Rob, we talked about this, um, that, and I'm not going against you, Rob, at all. <laughs> don't don't, no, don't get me wrong. But we talked about this. We said we would not be seeing as many of the six one drubbings as we saw last season. We just wouldn't see it. However, I do really agree with you around the issue of, Arsenal is basically putting three or four past everybody. I mean, they're just putting three or four past people. Um, And their goal differential is at plus 21 in the league. Um, They're steamrolling people. Not in the six ones that we were seeing, but they're just, they're putting four past people regularly. Um, So that's kind of scary, you know, to look at. I think if Chelsea ends up winning the league, I think it will. I think it will probably end up being more of an accomplishment than it was last season. Yeah, I'm saying if Chelsea
1: if Chelsea win the league this season, it will surpass even if the fact they might you know could technically make last season a treble and reach the Champions League final this season. It would be more of an achievement to win it because there is. I think this season Arsenal, in terms of being a well-drill, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, and Arsenal fans will get annoyed. At me because I wouldn't necessarily say they're an attractive team to watch. Um. I think they are, they remind me in a way of, and Josh will hate me for making this comparison, Jose Mourinho's Chelsea during his second era, in that everything is designed and is so calculated to get goals. And there isn't really room for, okay, there is room, you know, for one or two players to be, show some flair. I'm not going to pretend Beth Mead hasn't you know, show them that. And that would be churlish for me to pretend that. Um, Mm -hmm. But so much of it is calculated. And it's a case that they get, you know, a number of goals in a game and then they will just stop. And they will get, Mm -hmm. you know, two or three or something. And they won't try and kick on. They won't, you know, try and be flamboyant. They will just hold it out and they will just see it out. And if they get chances on the break, that's completely fine. Now, before I want to uh, sort of preface this by saying, I think that, you know, that's not, that's a completely legitimate tactic. I also think it's worth noting that, um, you know, it's a very successful tactic. As I said, I saw Jose win the league with Chelsea with it in that year and people, you know, criticised and scorned it. What I will say, and it will be interesting to see if this does happen in this case as well, is that after a certain result in that season, when Chelsea lost 5-3 to Tottenham and that was their first sort of, I think it was their first loss of the season – that changed, the mentality changed, and a lot of it went to being 1-0 and sort of 2-0. And it would be really interesting to see if Jonas Odeval does take that approach, if he, Arsenal do drop points somewhere, if he takes quite a pragmatic approach. Because I get the feeling he is quite a pragmatic manager um, and would rather win a game 1-0 than win it 4-3. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that is the sort of manager I get the idea that he might be.
0: Mm-hmm. And we, you know, and so far we haven't had that test there for them to see if that that hypothesis plays itself out. But he seems to be, yeah, I mean, he does seem to be uh, pragmatic. And I think at the end of the day, most managers are to a degree. No, I, I agree. I want to <laughs> no.
1: make it clear. I want to just preface it because I'm sure I'll get Arsenal fans, you know, if listen to it. I can already hear the pitchforks baying and, you know, the, the abusive <laughs> accounts the abusive tweets being typed on my Twitter, being pragmatic is not a bad thing in football. No, and, it's not. Um, it isn't. You know, in many ways, it's one of the best compliments you can get because mm-hmm. being pragmatic about things is often the best way to resolve things and to get the desired outcome. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that is, you know, an important thing to remember is that people have got a view that pragmatic and I detest the phrase negative football. I'll come out and say it. I think it's a stupid phrase because... Ultimately, if your team plays what you describe as negative football, the opposition may not like it, and other fans might complain about it and scorn it. but if you win a title, I can guarantee that all those fans you know all your fans will be celebrating it just as much and opposition yes. fans will not get annoyed about it, but then again they'll get annoyed if you played scintillating football and win it comfortably anyway because that's the whole point of rivalry.
0: yes, let me be clear everybody i i I mean talk about something that that that. that... Uh, talk about something that that um, that drives me a little bit nuts with with many fans out there, regardless of your team and so forth, um, who complain because uh, who, go, who who will then complain that about the negative football their manager is running but meanwhile you're on your way to winning winning multiple trophies with that same strategy and you're like and you're not happy that your team is winning isn't this the point um but um it's it's sort of the thing i mean that and and in, in, I think that's where I've kind of changed as a fan of football because now I understand. When I first started watching football, and, and it was during that sort of Jose Mourinho first run at Chelsea, when I really was getting into it, I, you know, it was driving me nuts um, <laughs> on so many different levels, and I was. Don't so worry, crazy. you weren't
1: alone in that. Uh, you pretty much driving and, every single manager, and in, I every was single like, manager in the league nuts.
0: And I was like, oh, my God, this is ins- this is insane. But the thing of it is, can you say that it didn't work, at least temporarily <laughs> uh, for for a time? It seemed to work. Um, and people, so people now are, I-
1: people obsess over the great innovators in football. And this is a, one of my other phrases I hate is innovation in football. Football is a very simple game. There are 22 mm-hmm. people on the pitch. And at the end of the day, the referee ruins it. But um going for the uh, sort of... Going that should forward. be
0: the WSL motto for the season.
1: Uh, yes, I agree. I mean, <laughs> I feel like that's that's something we can talk about in in a subsequent episode. But I think it's important to note that, you know, all of these phrases and these tactics are things, you know, I keep hearing people talk about low blocks and high blocks this season. That's no different than the teams that used to have, you know, a Cavalier attitude. You look at Don Revy's leads versus Brian Gluff's leads. Brian Gluff and Brian Gluff, when he was at Nottingham Forest, wanted to play an expansive high line with attacking wingers. This is nowadays what Liverpool do It's called Gagan pressing. Yep. And suddenly because there's a fancy name about it, everyone rushes to say, oh what an innovative tactic it is. No, it's not. It's just been done elsewhere and people haven't been bothered to learn about it. And the same way of negative and defensive football or Tick Attacker. They you know Tick Attacker existed before Pep Guardiola. I'm sorry to you know for those that are Pep Disciples that will be furiously typing angry tweets again. But just because these sides have made it, you know, their pull mark and their poster board, and that's the thing I would say about Leon. Leon, at their best, and Barcelona at their best, they are they play beautiful football. And I'm not going to deny that, but they are also very, very pragmatic, and they will know that there's more than one way to win a game, and that is when you know you've got a hallmark of a good side. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I, history continues to rewrite itself, and history continues to be repeated um, you know, and reformulated, recalibrated, uh, and recategorized. And so and is essentially in and, and essentially what we're talking about is things being repackaged. Um, I I, I do uh call myself a pep disciple, but I also on I've also read enough to understand that this goes back you know, decades upon decades and upon decades back in time. Um, it's just categorized the way it is right now uh, and so forth. And there've been little uh, little changes here and there, but some massive innovative change, um, you know, I really have not really necessarily seen, but a lot of people are talking about that. So, yeah. uh, and so forth. But the thing of it is though, is, a, is, is pragma- pragmatism is not, is a very good thing yeah being overly pragmatic to the point of being silly um and being pragmatic in the where situations don't call for it. Can be detrimental, and and that's some will have will uh, some fans will, will see that within their teams as well as they're being overly pragmatic um, at, at times, uh, and it kind of does them in, and so forth. But I wanted to share with you, but you know, I want to get back to going back to you know the specific game and a couple of players in this game. I wanted to ask you about uh, that mm. that you mentioned earlier that I want to get back to. But a telling statistic for me when I look at the comparison as far as the numbers of where Arsenal is at versus where Chelsea. He's at right now. If you look at the goal conversion rate, basically comparing in open play expected goals and how many goals they're getting uh, over that amount, Arsenal currently is sitting at a rate of plus. N- plus 9.8, basically plus 10, where Chelsea was at plus 2.2. And that's a significant difference. But this time last year, those numbers, Chelsea was actually the one at the top. Uh, They had some crazy number of being able to convert those opportunities in open play. Um, You know, they were the best in the league at it last season. And and right now, but the thing that is, is Chelsea is actually third in the league in that category. Guess who's in second? Brighton brighten is second in in converting opportunities now they don't have as many of them though uh on the defensive end um on the defensive side in terms of stopping teams from converting their expected goals um and that would be what hold on all right let me get the right number up okay um you know uh, the arsenal is third best in the league and chelsea is in the middle of the pack in that category so there's where the you know from that, just using that stat alone, those are the you know those are the differences, um, and so forth. But going back to this game, um, it is. I mean, it's really you know it's really good to be able to you know, as you said earlier, to be able to talk about and 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 analyze and critique and so forth a team and where they are. And it's just you know at this point, Chelsea is not where we would expect them to be. Uh, probably they aren't where they, they themselves expect them to be, you know, if, mm. if, I'm, if I'm correct.
1: No, I, um, I agree. And I don't think that's, a, I, don't, like I said earlier, I don't think it's a bad thing to say that and to be questioned right. to question.
0: And so you know, um, you know, and that's why we have, and that's what you know, the season's a long season, and a lot can change, and a lot can transpire, and and I think there's, you know, there's are these there are tweaks that are being made. Some of those tweaks are good, and some of those tweaks are bad, and sometimes you have to wait a while. Um, but I want to be in. But I think going back to what I said earlier, context is important, and I think context is, is that teams have gotten better, the league has gotten better, um, and. Do I still think that Chelsea's the best team on paper? Yes, I do. Um, but you got to play those matches on the on the field. You got to play those matches, mm. and, and we're going to see how this all plays out. City is not as bad um, as they are right now. They won't be, and you, you're right about that. I don't, and I don't think Arsenal will continue to be as good. I, I you know, so it all kind of it may all come out in the wash, and that's what makes this whole thing so intriguing um, moving forward. Um... I, I
1: would say, oh, also, my final point, I suppose, would be it would be very interesting in terms of Arsenal play City in the new year. Because City, by that point, I think, will have most of the players back. And City, historically, certainly in the last few years, have done very, very well against Arsenal. And even when Arsenal have had players fully, and their fitness in City, maybe one or two players, City have been able to go and do numbers on them very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. It would be really interesting to see if City, perhaps in that, or even if Arsenal in that game, do take something of an approach of we will try and win it by you know a goal to nil or something mm-hmm. for the that's psychological right. aspect of beating of beating mm-hmm. a team that they traditionally haven't normally done as well against. And I think that's also what you saw in Idabel against Chelsea, in that mm-hmm. they played a lot of the game on the counter attack and sort of played, you know, they, they did sacrifice possession. I think that's their only time this season where they've not had the majority of the possession. Um, and they, they sacrificed the possession in favour of playing the counter-attacking game because they mm-hmm. needed that result and that psychological mm-hmm. aspect. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and
1: that's why it will be interesting to see if, you know, if Chelsea did win it uh, when, you know, if when they play again, if Chelsea do play Stamford Bridge or Kings Meadow and win it, If that then, you know, the psychological aspect starts to come into it, that Chelsea feel, you know, we've been here before and some of the Arsenal players that perhaps, you know, haven't won as many trophies or have been there when they've struggled in the second half of the season, if they, you know, start to have the same sort of outcome again.
0: Exactly, exactly. So I want to talk about two players um, that re- that you had spoken of earlier that really kind of stuck out to me in this match with Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, first off, Jesse Fleming, and the other one was G. Um, so how can... I think Jesse Fleming is an extremely good player. Uh, and, and again, I probably should be gentle when I say this. Um, but I guess my question is, how is she, or how can she, or is it possible, how does she get more playing time? Is it possible?
1: I, I think in all honesty, it requires Chelsea to change formation again. I think they, if they go to the 4-3-3, I think they can have a really good midfield with Fleming, Ingle and Leopold in the midfield. I think that could be a really interesting midfield and then maybe having Kirby and Harder playing sort of as more narrow number 10s behind Sam Kerr. Um but I think at the moment, the issue that Fleming is going to face is that in the 5-4, or the 3-4-3, three, three, you know, obviously she's not going to play wing-back. And then there's just two central midfield spots. Well, as I said before, I think Sophie Ingle always, always takes one of those up. She's unlikely to play in the front three because of harder Kirby and Kerr. So then you've got the difficult situation of one of a player in that spot, and you've got Melanie Lerpels as the box-to-box option. You've got So Young as sort of the controller midfield option and I think Fleming is sort of maybe a hybrid of the two. And I think that's where and of even, you know, not encountering the fact that you could put Erin Cuthbert in central midfield too. And she's been in good form as well. Um so I think it's worth, you know I think it's worth be really interesting to see actually in the longer term what Emma does plan to do with her. Because as I said at the beginning of the season, I think Chelsea's big things this season are unlock Pinilla Harder and Jesse Fleming and now they seem to have done that. I think it's now there's no excuse to not be kicking on. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I look at Jesse Fleming's numbers and I see that she, she has only played 211 minutes in the league so far uh, and has started twice. Okay. Uh, And she's, she's played every game in the league, uh, but she's got only 211 minutes. And, and, but when she is on the pitch though, she's very, she's very productive. Mm. Uh, uh, And, you know, you know, it's um, and I just find it, you know, just, I wonder and I think you're right I, um, in terms of the formation, because given the formation that changes things and she she has a different place, um, you know, and um, but I just see her as a as a really fantastic player that that, um, you know, I think would, you know, has shown you know in her performances that she deserves more playing time uh, but yeah, this is I'll, just I'll chelsea is just such well. a deep 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 team that it, it you really have to be like completely stand out in order to get regular playing time and, and and along those same lines too um you know i think about bethany england as well um you know she produces pretty much every time out too um and so forth but I, I see. I understand. I think more from about her not getting as much playing time versus Jesse Fleming. But yeah, uh, your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, no, I would agree. I think that I think the issue Beth England faces is ultimately Sam Kerr has so much credit in the bank now as the striker, and the link up with Fran Kirby. I mean, even if Kerr wasn't scoring the goals, just the link up alone with Fran Kirby makes it immensely valuable to play her. So then you've got that situation. I also think that Chelsea because they play a more fluid system now, I think at times Beth England, you know, doesn't fit that as well as some other players. And I think that's partly, you know, an issue again, of do Chelsea need to be in many ways, do they need to be a bit more pragmatic? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's a very, very good point. And um, so the, so I want to go to G now. G is one of my favourite players. Um, because I just really like the energy that she has and in the control that she has. And I think that, you know, in, in a lot of different situations, she does very well. Uh, I do have one little fault in her game though. Um, but, you know, in the game against Aston Villa, she certainly was, con- you know, it did a lot of the movement of, you know, uh, of the offense, uh, 105, um, 105 touches on the ball, uh, her passing percentage was like ninety-two percent, um, you know, in the match. If I'm correct, yeah, mm-hmm. um, which was you know, outstanding number from that position. Yeah, ninety-one point five, you know, on ninety-four pass attempts, um, you know, so that that's really significant. You know, eleven progressive passes in the game. That's second on the team to Millie Bright uh, in this match. Um, I, she does have a tendency to to try for these weird long ball shots, um, and sometimes they work. Uh, but that's my only fault for her. Um, but I really enjoy watching her play. W- what are your thoughts on G and her game?
1: I think G is an excellent player. I think, again, G perhaps is one of those players that, because she's starting now to come towards the end of her career, I think in some ways Emma is a bit more reluctant to use her in certain games where they teams sort of can work her out and put quite a physical midfielder on her. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you're quite a physical player sort of playing up against her, she often does struggle. And I think Arsenal did this really effectively at the beginning of the season. Um, I will say, I think, you know, that she is a really, really good player and there's still definitely a place for her in the squad. Although I will say at the moment, I think on purely on sort of form basis, it's hard to argue why she should be playing... Perhaps ahead of certain other players, um, include like Jesse Fleming. However, I think there's also the aspect of the credit in the bank of that she's been there for so long and obviously had a lot in the experience, which is something that Chelsea do lack in sort of um, in that midfield with in terms of time at the club. Because I think Ingle's been there for a while, but other than that, you've got Fleming, who's obviously new, Liverpool's only been there a year, and I think it's that aspect of you know been there, gone done that sort of aspect that is keeping G sort of in the team as much Mm. and it'll be really interesting to see if going forward if Emma Hayes does start to integrate Fleming more and more and if that does lead to G's minutes reducing Mm. because I think Aston Villa was the first time we've seen the two of them playing together and they did dovetail quite well but a lot of the time Fleming would like to be in the positions that G occupies
0: And um, and I, I just thought of a third player that I wanted to ask real briefly. Annick Nguyen, how, how do you feel like her game is evolving as a new transfer coming in? She played, you know, she started in centre-back position in that back three, uh, not her first start, but what are your thoughts about her?
1: I think she's doing well. I felt, I, I was a bit surprised to see her come off. I was told apparently it was due to sort of precautionary due to having a knock, but mm-hmm. I like Nguyen. She looks like the sort of player that is only going to get better and is already starting to adapt a little bit more and more. And obviously, I think it's to say, the Dutch league is a different prospect to WSL. But right. she's already starting to, you know, adapt more and more. And I think it was going to be a case it was going to be a bit of a slow adaptation. But she really does look like a player who could add quite a lot to Chelsea. And I think she does critically um, really like playing in the back three. So I think that's helpful. I would like to see her get a shot at some point, maybe playing alongside Magda Eriksen in a back four. Um, just to see how she does because I think she'd benefit with her aerial ability. I think that covers the fact that Magda Eriksson herself isn't the best in the air um, and sort of normally it's Millie Bright who covers that but I think you could have no one covering it as well.
0: Very good. Thank you so much for that. For that, because I, I was always been intrigued by her game so far, um, and I think I feel like she's done done pretty well under the circum under the circumstances with everything. But let's let's jump into the future tomorrow. Uh, And we're recording this on a Monday. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, the the run of games, the interesting run of games when you're in the middle of a group stage where you play the same team two times in a row. And this time it's Servette. Servette away tomorrow and then followed by away in the league with Manchester City on Sunday. Rob, how do you think Emma's going to approach these these next two matches with uh, Servette and then followed by City over the weekend?
1: I wouldn't be shocked if against City she does something similar to what she did in the cup game against them, Um, maybe with one or two sort of alterations, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was that sort of lineup, that sort of style of performance and trying to cause that sort of damage again. In terms of Sylvette, I really honestly don't know. I think it's a good chance to experiment. I'd like to see Lauren James get a chance and see her sort of show what she can do. I also think it's important to sort of um, try and get... You know, obviously get a positive result but also get a few goals because I think that's something that Chelsea mm-hmm. have lacked in recent games and they need, you know, it'd be good to get a few goals on the score sheet, get a few players confidence and morale up going into, you know, the, the two legs against Savet because after that you then got two difficult games home to Juventus and away at Wolfsburg which are a lot harder games and obviously I think I'm right in saying if Chelsea pick up six points from the game against Savet depending on what happens elsewhere they can qualify mm-hmm. and you know, obviously, once you qualify, that takes a big burden off your shoulder.
0: Yeah, I mean, with with having four points going into uh, going into two two matches in a row, I think the magic number usually is in a group stage at least getting about nine or ten points, and you're pretty much ten, in.
1: ten is what they usually say. And if they beat yeah. Serbia twice, then obviously then they got, they got ten. at that stage. So, uh,
0: um, so we would be, you know. Good for Chelsea overall. And again, talking about pragmatism, get the six points against teams you can get the six points from, and then you know you don't necessarily have to worry too much about you know the two harder games later. That that's exactly pra- that's being that's pragmatism right there. Exactly. Uh, man, you know Manchester City. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, Rob. I mean Manchester City always ends up being a mystery, and the reason why they're a mystery is basically because we don't know who's going to play and who's not. Um, and so the, the game kind of poses a different challenge depending on who's playing and, and, you know, I think, um, and we don't really know because city is not all that good. And frankly, the press coverage of them is not all that, you know, you know, compelling, uh, We don't really know who's going to come back and win. Um, So that makes it a mystery. Um, You know, if certain players are back, it's going to be a tougher match. If certain players are not back, it's going to be kind of the same as that cup match. Um, So it's hard to say. Um, There are some constants there, unfortunately, for City, uh, which is, you know, more than likely Garrett Taylor, who's now become the Olly Gunner Solskjaer of women's football now, um, is still in charge. And you become the, you know, it's going to be a thing now. You know, when you become a, when you become a manager that your rivals want to stay, that should be an immediate signal to the board of that club to get rid of them. (laughs) When your when you're fans of the other rival team start singing things like Ollie at the wheel or Gareth at the wheel or whatever, you should fire them immediately because that's the surefire sign that uh, things are going completely sideways and backwards. And And I think that's what's happened because everyone everyone has come to me and said that, yeah. Uh, Chelsea fans, Arsenal fans, United fans, Tottenham fans—I don't know, I don't care who. Everyone's like, "Yeah, Gareth Taylor's got to stay. He's got to stay." You know. Um, well, I look
1: forward to—I I look forward to hearing his contract extension next week. I think you know, as I've said before, people are far too quick for to us <laughs> managers, and I, I look forward to hearing you know another another four more years. I think would be an excellent extension to get City. Oh, four. <laughs>
0: four more years <laughs> oh my God. yeah i'll ask kate about i'll ask kate we'll have on later uh, about four more years of care taylor um yeah that'll be fun um so it, it's really hard to say i mean um so it really kind of depends on who wins i mean not who wins who comes back for city um as far as fitness level is concerned um because I think, but the thing that is the problem is tactically they're all over the place. Um, is the other issue? Um, I'm not sure they know what they're what they're trying to do. Um, and their I, will, yeah. I will quite happily
1: say they don't. I will quite happily say
0: it's really hard to tell. I mean, you know, and I don't think Gareth even knows what formation they're even using. So because um, he's told the press one thing, but on the field it looks completely different. Um, so um that's basically you know a a mess right there so um you know and i i think i should put a poll on on twitter who gets sacked first because it looks like it's going to be a really good race OGS versus Garrett Taylor, who's going to get go down first, um, and so forth. Because the rate things are going for both, um, it could be a long one. Um, so, with that being said, I do predict Chelsea to, to definitely. I, I do definitely predict Chelsea to beat Servette twice. Um, but as far as this week, tomorrow, yes, I do expect them to win, and I do expect them to win away at Manchester City. May not be as easy as, um, may not be as easy as that cup match was concerned, but um just from a neutral perspective I hope it's a more compelling match um overall um and so forth so um last thing though I want to want to mention how bad is the FA player like how bad is it
1: Uh, I mean I would answer that but unfortunately I feel I'll probably you know in homage to the FA player I'm probably going to get cut off um (laughs) it it just needs let me just say I think it's bad (laughs) uh... As I said to a few people, the issue at the moment is that it needs to be um, you know, if you're gonna have something like the FA player, it's a great idea in principle, but if you're gonna have it, especially now we've got the really good Sky and Sky TV deal and also the BBC's good coverage of WSL. Mm-hmm. As long as you've got those, like you know, it's gonna make it makes the FA player look shambolic and poor and yeah, I think you know it deserves women's football as I've said a lot of times deserves better.
0: Do you think with the new TV contract, the, the overall broadcasting and and commentary and coverage is better from a quality standpoint?
1: Um, I think that's a really interesting question, and I think it's probably worth putting to the viewers again for another poll for another special episode because I think it would genuinely <laughs> be worth discussing um, what the TV deal brings in both in the short term and the long term. In that regard, I will say that uh, not just because she follows me on Twitter and we're good friends, that I think Sam Miller is doing a fantastic job. Um, when she is covering games. I also think that it's really good to see them getting pundits in that are players that have significant WSL experience because previously Mm -hmm. there's just been a tendency to put men's sort of random men's players on games. And besides Ian Wright, who I think is an excellent advocate and promoter Mm -hmm. of the women's game, and I have absolutely no problem when they want to put him on, you know, he knows more about Arsenal ladies than pretty much most of the or Mm -hmm. Arsenal women than most people, um, mm-hmm. pretty much everyone. I've absolutely no problem with them putting him on sort of on the coverage. But when it's players that clearly have no clue what they're going on about, and know, there was one particular occasion where they mentioned the name of a player who'd left the club two years before that um, and were going on about why they weren't playing, uh, which, yeah, just embarrassing coverage. And I would much rather see people on there who have the experience, have been there and done that, even if it is in the earlier eras of WSL um, than players who are just on there because you know it's a it's a famous name or someone who you know has been there because oh they've got an achievement or a link with the men's team. I I don't think it's wrong for men's pundits to be involved in women's football. I think there are some really good ones. I think Matt Spate when he covers Chelsea women games, he you know covers stuff for the club and is really good to talk about. But I think there is generally an issue where they just sort of at times feel like they can fob fans off by putting any random sort of names in there.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of what it's, what it feels like from time to time. And, and uh, you know, I know when I turn a game on and I hear certain people and I see their names, I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to be, this is going to be cool. And then uh, when I see other names or I hear their voice more, so I hear their voice, uh, then I'm like, oh, this could be really dicey. This could be sketchy really fast. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's uneven. Let's just say that. Um, and, you know, though I, I do not believe in any sort of competition. I have no competition for this podcast. I, every, I want everyone to be involved in covering the WSL and so forth. So I, when I say this, I, um, I am such an admirer of this, the stadio podcast, um, both Ian Wright and the, uh, the main one, um, you know, two or three shows a week and they do really, you know, they do cover along with the, you know, with the men's game significantly, but they do provide, a, a you know, along with that, um, some really good, uh, WCL commentary and discussion, uh, and so forth, particularly, as you mentioned, Ian Wright, his connection with Arsenal as a former player, mm-hmm. uh, and so forth. I, you know, I really, I, if I, if I look to heroes in the podcast game, that's who I'm turning to um, in, in just how they, you know, how they present it. And so if I can reach that level as far as quality is concerned, and and quantity for that matter, um, then I would be, you know, uh, I would be very, very happy. Um, so um, there are my heroes in this game, I would say. Uh, so shout out to them. But Rob, I've taken up a lot of your time, man. Uh, I really appreciate everything.
1: Yeah, no, always a pleasure, as always.
0: And uh, we look forward to, uh, you know, seeing these two games next week and seeing how things go. We'll talk to you next week. All right, my man.
1: Yeah, I'll see you later.
0: All right, everyone, smash a like, please. Uh, Also subscribe, social media, shares. Bear in mind receding hairline issue, so you can go to the podcast and listen to that. But also over there, give a five star review. We do. We are working on on one big program in the background. Hopefully later this week about the referee stuff. We have listened to you fans out there. We will do it. Uh, we're just trying to get the scheduling lined up and so forth. And uh, Rob, just just before I try I lose you here. Yeah, you, the the TV stuff. That's another one. Uh, so maybe we will. We, maybe fans out there, what do you you want us to talk about the TV coverage? If you do, we will talk about it um, because also, we are we are a fan channel.
1: I will also say that for Chelsea fans that are listening, I am working on a Chelsea project in the background and getting stuff together for it. Um, that's very exciting. Again, I have given very little away about it so far, but I'm mm-hmm. working on getting it all together. But it should be good. So look forward to that. And one of the things, yeah, and and yeah, this is
0: the type of stuff that we're, you know, that we're going for is just sort of expanding what we do and how we do it. And and I, I'm a big fan of history, big fan of history in football. Uh, so I am very much looking forward to a lot of discussions about, you know, getting more in-depth into these teams, getting more in-depth into these clubs and the history of, their, of things uh, and so forth is one really big thing. So, um, you know, and I, I want to do that type of stuff with it with everybody kind of a deeper dive into clubs uh and so forth so uh so not only deeper dives in league but deeper dives in into um into things um i love reading about that type of stuff and i love hearing about it so um a lot of stuff in the background so very very happy very very pleased and and rob i'm, I'm very Proud to have you as a as a contributor. I'm very proud to be working with the CFCW social. I know you all have been great uh advocates for us and so forth. So thank you very much, Rob. I really appreciate you.
1: Yeah, no, it was a pleasure.
0: All right. Thank you so much. And that'll be it for now. We will have Kate on with the Manchester City Women's Supporters Club uh coming up later on this evening. We'll put that, record that. We'll put that out there probably tomorrow. Take care, everybody. Uh have a good Monday. Whatever day you're listening to this, take care, everyone.